0: Hello and welcome to Wired Up Theatre, a monthly look at what's happening in the London theatre industry. And that covers the Fringe to the West End, from technicians to producers. It's all here as well as loads of reviews, articles, features and uh, me and my colleague, Mark Ramsey. Hello, hello. Uh, I'm you... Ollie Ford. We're going to have fun.
1: What was the, we were told to say that Twitter thing, What wasn't the... it? Ah,
0: yeah, you can follow us on Twitter. Twitter. Um,
1: what was the What was the tag? At Up Theatre.
0: We're going to have a bit of fun, aren't we?
1: Probably, probably.
0: Because you think. know a lot about theatre, don't yeah, you? Yeah,
1: yeah, I go all the time. All yeah. the time. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Chekhov, Shakespeare. What's your favourite Shakespeare play? Mike played? Reed. All the Mike movies. Reed. Yeah. What's
0: your favourite Shakespeare play?
1: Oh god, there's so many, yeah. so
0: many. There's a lot of classics. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um what was that one he did about the one with Leonardo DiCaprio? <laughs>
0: um <laughs> I, did he write Titanic? I think
1: was, no, no I thought that was a hundred years. That's about a boat. There's no yeah. boats in
0: Shakespeare's day. No well, no boats, no of course no, not. No. Um I actually saw Ma- Michael Sheen in Hamlet. Oh, great reviews. Great it was reviews. really good. I
1: tried to get a ticket for that. I couldn't get a ticket. Really? No. Yeah. I, like, did try, I did try. The, the bloke
0: didn't come around your house and just go <laughs> out of one of these tickets. Unfortunately not. Um, Unfortunately not. I, so yeah, we saw Hamlet. Uh, we had to go through the... It was interesting actually. At the Young Vic, you had to go around the back of it and then they took you into like, this mental asylum. Yeah. And it was all that thing, you know, like actors all like in character 20 minutes before it starts it was really good I thought I'm in a mental <laughs> asylum and we then uh, Michael Sheen that. I must admit was spellbinding I was dreading it three hours went by really quickly and then he was in the uh, bar close, after how uh, close to the stage were you I was actually in the front row
1: yeah because there were some other people who went some friends bars. I could see his people yeah people were spitting. He was spitting yeah people, he spat on me. me did he yeah oh lovely yeah
0: because I was on the phone um Anyway, what have you seen in the last year that really blew your mind? What you thought was, oh, what an interesting piece. I'm so pleased Mm. i put up with being starved and wondering where the rent's coming from so I can be in something like this. What was it you saw?
1: We Will Rock You, I saw. Okay. Yeah. Okay, this week we've got the Off West End Awards.
2: It really is amazing to kind of finally feel like you've actually broken through.
1: Charlie Higson's review of the Lady Killers.
0: Oh, shit. John Park, hero of the Fringe and founder and part of Fringe Report.
3: These people behind are a bit noisy. Do you think I should sit over there? Good, no. okay, fine. All right. I won't say cunts in that case.
4: <laughs> good, oh, that's good. Well, I'm glad we avoided that bit, more.
0: <laughs> our review of Night of January the 16th at the White Bear by our resident techie, George. I'm the producer, Ollie. are you? Are you?
5: It's a clever, almost Brechtian theatrical device which ties us into the action, but then leaves us alone until it's time to deliver a verdict.
0: Our report on the filth and the fury of the last ever Fringe Report Award.
6: There's a cracking cleavage knelt down behind you. Okay.
0: <laughs> uh, as always, any feedback, get us at Wireless Theatre on Twitter and podcast at wirelesstheatre.co.uk. Yeah, be
1: lovely to hear from, from you all.
0: We obviously won't be able to hear because we're recording it. We don't we don't, we don't follow that stuff. We don't
1: follow Twitter. Right, Ollie? <laughs> yeah. What do you think of when I say the name John Park? Not the elusive man behind com. 10 years strong, the very man himself. We've got an exclusive interview. Doesn't do too many interviews, no. but we have an interview with John Park. Wow. Let's hear it then. <laughs>
5: We're here for an interview with John Park. And for those of you who don't know, John Park is the editor and founder of Fringe Report. Uh, I think John would probably explain Fringe Report better than I ever
3: could. Fringe Report is uh, its an arts website. It, um, it reviews and reports items which are off the mainstream. We
5: sort of have almost layers of... Uh, off mainstream uh, in London, we have the we we have layers of the off mainstream in London. You know, we have the offies, uh, the off West Ends. You know, for you, what marks something out as being fringe or being something that fringe report covers?
3: The kind of things that we review are they're going to be happening in rooms over pubs. They're going to be happening in small theatres. They will be films that are either in art house cinemas or shown in off-mainstream venues. Mainstream is not terribly tightly defined. There's often things which don't fit into any particular bracket. And, of course, almost by definition, anything on the fringe doesn't fit into a bracket at all.
5: In that case, what do you think the fringe is for
3: and what do you think it's good at? Most activity in the arts, or, or the ambition of most people in the arts, is to earn their living from working within the arts. And I think that everything that involves uh, that uh, involves in some way being told what to do or fitting into some kind of a category, um, whether or not it's the category is uh, an Arts Council grant or some kind of um, substantial funding, or whether or not it's uh, a salary in a production uh, in, in a large production in the West End, all of which are absolutely brilliant things. Um, I think that anything to do with. Uh, earning the majority of one's living from art is going to involve some kind of compromises again not a bad thing at all absolutely admirable and, uh, and fantastic really um, however to be able to have complete, the complete opportunity of experimentation uh, and to try things that are perhaps uh, untried, daring um, unusual um can often carry with it the the, the rider of actually no one 's going to make any money out of this and I think that's it 's not to say that fringe by definition is something that doesn 't make money and it certainly shouldn 't be it 's more that it 's the the zone where there 's unlimited uh, opportunity for artistic experimentation i think
5: how have you done fringe report how did you put it together how does it work
3: the essence of fringe report and this is really the essence of a, of a, of a hell of a lot of things uh, as at 2012 um, is that uh, it costs the means of production cost nothing publications used to cost an absolutely enormous amount of money writing um, a printing press um, and they cost nothing at all now because you do everything on the internet so fundamental to fringe report was the fact that it co- the means of production cost nothing Um the internet and it cost nothing to access people could access the internet at virtually no cost inside an internet cafe or on their own computers Um, so i guess that was at the essence of how fringe report started 10 years is a long time um, on the fringe what have you seen change in that time absolutely nothing at all has changed in the last 10 years because the essence of fringe is unlimited experimentation and i think that's been going on perhaps since the restoration of theatre with the restoration of the monarchy and with Charles II, if that possible?
5: You have quite a, a specific guide to how to write for Fringe Report. Um, how did that come about and why did that come about?
3: From the very beginning with Fringe Report, we started in July 2002, we, th- we felt that people were not accurately recor- recorded. and One of the ideas of Fringe Report was actually to record the fact the production had happened. Bear in mind that a lot of fringe productions may be one-offs or they may be on for two or three nights. So that was a very important thing. Obviously we weren't going to be able to review anything like scratching the surface of all of them. But the ones that we did uh, flag up and selecting in a fairly arbitrary way, we were able to, I think we've been able to record quite a bit of uh, a reasonably representative idea of what French has been about the last 10 years. What was crucial to us was to list the names of everyone involved in the productions. This is incredibly hard to do. A lot of them are in uh, quite a variety of languages which use completely different special character sets to us. So you're actually going around talking to a Hungarian company and asking their help in providing precisely the correct accents and then somehow finding those in Windows we have rules for writing now they're not rules for how to express one's opinion or the opinions that one should have they're rules about how to put it down on paper one of the things that always irritated me very much is uh, national press writers uh, who are fantastic writers but their they're permission from their editor to use the word I or we I think this is a load of shit well I don't care I personally don't care reading whether or not X from the observer thinks of the players as a very shit because I'm not necessarily going to evaluate that person's opinion. Um, we say that people must not use the words I, we, and you. Um, if they use the word you, they begin to objectify the audience, and they place the audience that this is the the people reading the piece. They place that person at a distance, and that's really, I think, very very bad writing. Um, so we have rules about that. We also really, I, I object very strongly to um, to words like uh, beautiful. Um, uh, the word beautiful is fantastic if you know the person, and it's a great word in conversation. Um, it's pretty useless in prose because you have absolutely no idea what it means. So we've got things like that, very practical things that have... Um, have emerged over the years, and uh, people say, my God, you have banned words on Fringe Report. So, yeah, what if the words like beautiful or hilarious? Yes, they are.
5: And that's quite interesting, because <coughs> actually you, you, you do have this regimented... Uh, regimented is the wrong word. You do have a very clear code of how to write, and yet Fringe Report, as we saw at the Fringe Report Awards, which we're also covering in this issue... Um, is the most most loved of the theater reporting websites um, it 's got a huge following and it, a huge amount of people have said to us um, how sad they were that fringe report will be closing why do you think you 've captured the sort of the heart of the fringe in that way
3: I think that the um, the heart of the fringe is people and we 've always been totally focused on people the, um, the, the 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 tight rules that we have for writing and reviews are to Make, the, make clear that the most important people in the auditorium are the actors on stage um, and to show them respect and our, our rules on writing are to reduce the uh, we, we try not to use the word critic to reduce the role of the writer to being on a level with those people not below them and not above them and they are, they are strict, um, because I think there are a lot of abuses in the national press, that the role of the critic becomes a kind of a god that must be appeased. Looking at The Fringe as an industry, or as a collection of however disparate bodies, are there things you feel it could improve upon? It seems awful to say no, but I think actually The Fringe works brilliantly. I had a, a, an extraordinarily interesting insight from a, a guy who is an, an economist. And I met him at a venue. i got along with an actress friend to see some stand-up comedy, actually some improvisation, at a venue near Tower Bridge. And I was sitting, talking to this chap, and he's, he was explaining that he's an economist and works in the city. And he was something to do with this improvisation company. And he said, well, basically, I really like being with these people. I went along for classes with them and they're kind of like a gang, and I wanted to be part of that gang. So they had some problem with their books. Um, and or, you know, Not a, a problem, but they weren't getting their books into every good order. So I came along and I started doing their books for them. And kind of in return, I'm one of the gang, and I also do improvisation with them and so on. But he said something utterly profound next, and he said that... He said, and then I realized... Well, I hadn't understood this thing about nobody getting paid and all that kind of thing, or people getting paid very large around. He said, I suddenly realized that the fringe was a completely viable economy, except that its currency was not money. And he said, so people will do things, in inverted commas, free, and then other people will do things for them. And there's a, it's not like a formal swapping around of talents and and services and favours, but in practice it does work very much like that, that people do help each other out. So the answer to your question about whether or not the Fringe can be improved, no, I mean, that's how it is. That's how I imagine it was in the 1930s as well, if if it existed then. And I think it's certainly been the way since it's been written down, since the 50s. Ten years of running Fringe report. Um,
5: What would you say was the the piece that in all of that time you enjoyed or appreciated
3: the most there have been an enormous number um, there was a film that we reviewed a long time ago which is a, a rather complicated film which starts with a guy polishing a car that was superb there was a thing that I saw the other night which was a reading of some surrealist uh, French poetry in a, in a bookshop. Um, sounds like hell. It was absolutely brilliant. It was really good fun. Um, there was a wonderful production of a Will Self book called Cock and Bull done by a physical theatre company uh, in 2003, I think. Um, there was a wonderful film this name I've completely forgotten which took place on a beach in Eastbourne um, there was a fantastic film about um, love affairs between people who are blind that was made in Slovenia um, all of these things sound terribly obscure and I think, god they sound absolutely dreadful um, but they were actually absolutely wonderful but I'm just picking there at random five things from a whole lot of utterly brilliant productions really. there have been some there's been very little shit, and there's been, and, and if there has been, that that's fine because it's great to have all kinds of experimentation and something that I may think at one point is shit, I may think tomorrow on reflection is absolutely brilliant, and that person or that group of people may then go on to do something utterly incredible. Um, and uh, just
5: in terms of shit, is there anything that stands out? You don't have to name it as being just diabolically bad
3: the worst experience, well it wasn't the worst experience of my life but it was certainly the worst theatrical experience I've ever had in my life um, and uh, it was it was absolutely dreadful the exit was at one end of this very wide theatre and I was actually at the opposite end, now I would never leave a production during um, and, and our writers don't leave productions during um, shows, I mean thats that, that's an appalling thing to do and I would never do it. I don't think I ever have done it. Um, but I wanted to die. Um, I, I wanted to die and I would have been prepared to die. It was, it was absolutely diabolical. <clears> or <throat> oh, was it just pure incompetence? or It, it was pure pretension, I think. Um, I, I can't really say anything more about the macaque technique
7: <laughs>
4: without... <laughs> <Twice>. <laughs>
5: John Park. Thank you very much
4: for talking to us. It's been an enormous pleasure.
0: That was John Park, hero of the Fringe and founder and heart of Fringe Report. Keep listening for our report on the filth and the fury of the last ever Fringe Report Award. I don't know if anyone listening to this isn't connected with the industry, but one of the things that the industry is based on is booze. And you give a load of producers, actors, writers, a free bar and they won't let you down.
1: And I think some of the listeners will get a taste of that when they listen to yeah, this interview.
0: you all probably want to be actors after listening to it, or producers, because people get All the money's in acting, we're loaded. Steaming.
1: <laughs> and, of course, we don't always mess around here at the Wireless Theatre Company. Um, every now and again, we do have a serious discussion or review, um, yeah. as the case here with our techie. Yeah, um, Of who... the
0: producers. Whatever.
5: And... Yeah,
1: and it's his take on the night of January the 16th. Take it away, Techie.
5: Hello, and welcome to Wired Up Theatre's first review, which is of night of January the 16th by Ayn Rand, presented by Half Door Theatre at the White Bear Theatre in Kennington. Night of January 16th was written by Ayn Rand, who was a novelist, philosopher, playwright and screenwriter. In all of her writing, she developed her own philosophy, which was uh, objectivism, a right-wing doctrine. It's become intrinsically linked with the ideas of laissez-faire capitalism and is a subject of real hatred for most on the left. Although it's worth noting that compared to the religious fundamentalism of someone like Rick Sanatorium or the Tea Party, Rand looks less objectionable. Night of January the 16th is a thriller and it's centred on a court case. As well as this, there's a very clever piece of audience participation, which is that when we first enter, we're told we'll be the jurors and that we are going to deliver a verdict at the end of the piece. Audience interaction can be just dire in theatre, but this play does it right. What it does is it sets the premise up at the beginning, leave you to enjoy the piece, and then asks for you to involve at the end. It doesn't ask for you to be involved all the time, it doesn't get in your face. You can sit back and watch the show the same way that a jury would watch a court case, but you still have a chance to affect the outcome of the event. It really does add something. It's massively wanky to point out the irony of a right-wing playwright using a Brechtian device, so I won't. What is worth pointing out, though, is much like Brecht, Rand's work doesn't actually leave much of a debate. The audience is pushed very heavily in the direction that Rand wants them to be pushed in and as with all of her work, none of the characters that she disagrees with are really fully rounded characters. It's not to say she's a writer without talent, she manages to give everyone a realistic edge, but in all honesty, the only real characters on stage are the ones she agrees with. It's still a good piece though. It's gripping, it's got a remarkably strong second half and the ending's fantastic. The Fringe is a complete mixed bag of shows with varying levels of production values, etc, etc. Price, however, tends to be the same, so it's only fair to really give a very clear rundown of exactly what the production's like. For those of you who don't know The White Bear, it makes excellent theatre, but it is the cheaper end of the fringe. And this production, although it tries really hard, doesn't quite manage to hide the limitations of its budget. Andy Robertson's set design is is very cleverly thought through, and you can see the concepts that he's working with. The execution just seems a little bit scrappy, though, which is probably a budget thing. Um, It would just benefit from a little more detailing, really. This isn't true of his costume design, which is actually really, really good. Sarah McLaughlin's lighting design is pretty much the same, it's really reasonable given the lack of facilities, but one of the initial states at the start of the play is a little dark, but again these are the sort of things that happen when a young company is working on a tight budget. Rand's play is a good one, but it's static and it's not easy to stage and make interesting and so Jane Moriarty, the director, has done a really good job. She casts it well, she keeps the action moving and she invinces really detailed performances. Sometimes when the piece becomes a little bit more expositional in the first half it's possible to wish there was just a little bit more subtext on stage. But this is a really minor niggle and she should be congratulated for a really tidy show. This is a tough piece to perform and all of the cast do very well It's fair to say that the women really lead the way in this production. Uh, Francesca Secchi uh, plays the financier's lover, and she's really superb. She's got a tough part. She doesn't have to do very much in the first half. She has to do huge amounts in the second half. And she covers all of that really well. She does the tight, detailed work well, and she does the big emotional stuff well, so she deserves to be congratulated. Gies, on the other hand, is not given very much to work with, but she gets everything she can from the role, and she should really be congratulated, because she's really taken this part and made it her own. Donovan Imber is given a part that could very easily become pure parody, but He's really to be congratulated because he avoids it and he delivers a really sharp, well-observed performance. It's worth noting that in a play set in America um, with non-American actors, all of the accents are absolutely spot on and a lot of the cast are playing several roles and do them all with distinction. So everyone should be very strongly congratulated. All in all, despite the limitations of the venue and the budget, Night of January 16th is a really quality piece of theatre. It's thrilling it's entertaining, and, and it uses innovative theatrical techniques in a way that never becomes wanky and sort of self-considered. The other important thing about Night of January the 16th is unlike 90% of theatre on the fringe, it does offer a contrasting political viewpoint, and for that reason, it should be seen. Um, listen in next week when I will be talking with the producer, Katie Snaden, and the director, Jane Moriarty, about political theatre and why they chose to stage it.
0: Ah. Oh. Anyone still there? Anyone still listening after that? Oh, thrilling, uh, wasn't it?
1: That was great. That was that was really good, wasn't it? Well done, Techie. You can talk. Any okay. listeners we did have? They've gone.
2: Given it all that, the, the producer—he's not a
1: producer. Unbelievable. Move on.
2: We're here on London's busy Shaftesbury Avenue, in the heart of Theatreland, and we're about to embark on the first night of the audience reviews. Exactly what it sounds like—grabbing the audience for their thoughts as soon as they leave the show. This evening, we're doing *The Lady Killers* by Graham Lynham at the Gielgud Theatre.
8: Three lines
2: about what you thought about the show. Three lines. Yeah, or, or ten lines if you prefer.
8: <laughs> no, we enjoyed
6: it. It was uh, it was very good. The set the, the sets were great. The actors uh, were uh,
7: engaging. Yeah, it was really good fun. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah. Very entertaining. Pretty enjoyed, yeah. Great, fantastic set. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah,
9: yeah.
7: Uh, it's very amazing. Um.
9: It was, uh, it was brilliant. Really, really fun. Yes, yeah, very
4: good. Oh, superb. Yes, really, really good. Really enjoyed it. I've, se- I've seen the film many times. film slower, a little bit deeper. This more slapsticky, but just as good in so many ways. And the little old lady gets the money, and that was just great.
8: That was <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Hello, I'm Charlie Higson, London's top theatre critic. Uh, No, no, I really enjoyed it. I think Graham did a fantastic job in adapting it and the the cast were all brilliant. I mean, it's great to see a good sort of... I love character comedy and that's what it was. And the
4: thing that he's done with this is he's actually really taken the script and made it his own, hasn't he? Yeah,
8: well, I think Lady Case is one of those films that everybody sort of claims to love. Um, And the idea of it is brilliant. But actually, if you look at it, um, the characters are not that developed in the film. And Graham's done a lot more work on giving them all more to do. I mean, Peter Sellers is in, is in it. He's only got about two lines in the film. So, um, you know, to, to, to adapt it for the stage and for an ensemble cast like that, I think he's, he's been very clever. And, you know, I mean, The Lady Killers is one of those films, say everyone loves, but actually they don't know it that well. They just remember the idea of it. a great evening.
0: Okay, so uh, we've been to another glitzy awards bash when well, we yep. haven't. We sent someone out no, to go no. to it, the Off West End Awards, the at, Offies, the the
1: Offies. Is yeah. that what they're called? Yeah, the Theatre yes, Royal. Two pints of beer.
0: Hilarious. Cans of Okay, okay. The Theatre Royal Stratford. Uh, they went to Offwestend.com is there a website you're interested have a listen to it.
2: Here we are at the Off West End Awards the Offies uh, this is the second uh, award ceremony that's been held by Off West End uh, Off West End was formed by Sophie Mason about 10 years ago uh, to recognise those theatres uh, and theatre companies that work in between fringe and the West End the uh, award ceremony is taking place at the wonderful Theatre Royal in Stratford. Uh, I'm here with George Maddox um, and we've just caught up with Evelyn Adams and Barra Collins uh, who are nominated for their performances in Count Ooderland. So we're just going to ask them how they feel to be nominated for such a prestigious award.
8: I think I suppose we have to take it in our stride. It was actually a massive surprise to, to be nominated um, for, for anything from, from the show, uh, it's a, it's only the second year since the office have been on, and it was completely unexpected. Uh, certainly for myself to get a to get a nomination, so that's quite exciting. So you're really kind to just kind of roll with it. It's lovely to be able to come here to the awards ceremony at, at Theatre Royal Stratford East. It's absolutely beautiful theatre that I've always found quite an exciting place. The, the the show was um was a really really lovely piece because there was tw- uh, twelve of us, 11, eleven of us, eleven of us on stage. Um, we did have to work very very hard as a group because we're playing a lot of different parts I think most of us had three or four parts Um, and I suppose in a way it's it's strange I didn't expect being picked out for a best male award because it is such a ensemble piece and everyone was working very very hard together to to create the show Um, but yeah I, I think that I really enjoy working on ensemble pieces because there was a great sense of togetherness and and there was a great family feel about that show which was absolutely wonderful I think some of
9: our our favourite times as a cast were um, pre-show dancing to Fleetwood Mac on stage (laughs) (laughs) all all 11 of us and I mean the cast ranged from 21 to 60s so a, a big range of cast and a big range of different kinds of people but all pulling together and actually being quite silly and having fun together is very important
4: you, you say you assess the
7: awards? Yes, indeed. I'm John Parley. What happens is that um, there are about forty-five assessors, no probably slightly less than that, who go along to every show. That's kind of a so ideally two people go along to every show. And basically if they like a show they write a report on it, and if they like a show and they think it's worth a nomination, they kind of then put that into the it's a panel of five judges who then go and see that show on their on the on the assessor's recommendation so it's a two-stage process basically so in terms of getting someone down to see it almost there yeah is that a difficult process no it's actually kind of quite simple and i think one of the problems to start with is that theaters didn't actually realize how simple it was because the only problem is that they have to invite people early enough because if they invite them only the night it opens or two days before it opens, then there's no time to get it, get down there. So there is a possibility that their show will be missed. But as long as they invite people that they assess this early enough, then they'll get seen. And one of the reasons for setting up the awards was to kind of get it much more accessible because the Fringe doesn't get, it's due, it doesn't get noticed. There is some bad work, but there's some really good work on the Fringe. And it deserves to be noticed, basically.
8: I'm Andrew Keats, I run the Landor Theatre with Robert McQuire, and I've just won the award for Best Musical uh, Production uh, for The Hired Man, which I directed. Every single project I do, whether that be in London or regionally, um, I never do it for an award, I do it for the work. Um, What's strange about this is it's not about the public opinion, it's actually about recognition of the work and the integrity, and I'm so proud of everybody that's been involved.
9: How long
2: have you been writing for? Ten years. It hasn't been an instant success, so it really is amazing to kind of finally feel like you've actually broken through. I just felt like I didn't care enough about anything else, and that was the motivation for for carrying on, really. Uh, It was the only thing that I really cared about that much. I mean, it's really hard. It's stupidly hard. But ultimately, if you've got a a story that you want to tell then you've got to tell it. Don't give up. So that was the Office, a great night for independent and off-West End theatres in the UK uh, with great hosts such as Alison Steadman, Linda Marlowe, Don Warrington, Richard Bean. And uh, it's been a really, really great night. Very deserved winners. Really uh, interesting and quirky presentations this evening. Now we're in the bar um, and uh, it's a great week for independent and off-West End Fringe Theatre. We're at the Fringe Report Awards tomorrow. Join us there.
0: Um, Alright Marky Anything uh, caught your eye In the news About theatre related In the last Couple of weeks
1: Yeah The um, the critic Mark uh, Mark Shenton Is his name yeah. yeah He's he's a little bit unhappy A uh, source in the Daily Mail He was talking about How he's He's getting a bit annoyed With a lot of theatres are Having these Extra 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 long Previews yeah. Famous case About six months ago Do you remember Spider-Man The musical right. in New York Yeah Broadway. Previews for about 182 days I think it was Really <laughs> So what, they, they had a press night, said, oh,
0: hang on, we still need another press night, and they just yeah, carried on, and just then... Just to keep
1: those critics away, really. Really. so can, But still charging full price for a ticket, you can sit in the stalls in, in the West End now, what was that new play? Techie, what was that new play coming?
4: Uh-huh. New show? It, and it was Jackie Mason. Oh, Jackie, Jackie Mason's stand-up comedian. Yeah, yeah, he's
1: doing it, only three weeks into his, uh, his show, he's got a five-week show, and uh, only three weeks into it will he allow the critics in, so... That sounds quite but accessible. still yeah probably, probably <laughs> then they won't
0: slag you off but it's completely wrong obviously yeah uh, Phantom of the Opera's still having previews isn't it and that's been in the same thing since 1986 <laughs> have you seen Phantom of the
1: Opera no I don't
0: I'll wait till the reviews come out
1: <laughs> yeah it should be seen <laughs> <laughs> okay Mark um, yep.
0: we've got exclusive backstage chatter from the Fringe Report awards the Fringe Report
1: the yeah. last ever I heard actually uh, yeah I know do you like fringe theatre? you you seen some good fringe theatre? Um, I mean, we, we were joking about it before, but yeah, I do actually, I do enjoy fringe theatre. Yeah. Is... I like it
0: when, you know, it's in a pub and there's yeah. about like 20 seats. So um, everyone's sat on top of each other. Everyone time.
1: in the audience, they already know as well. Yeah, as yeah, well. yeah, yeah. It's all yeah, friends. Sure. And they cause... charge them at least 15 quid.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of 15 quid. Yeah. Sometimes a tenner, but more often it's 15 quid. Yeah. And somebody will walk on yeah. and the lights will go down and they'll go, think. Yeah. And then the lights will come And then, then,
1: and then uh, we get a bit of, Earth. Wind. And then somebody will go... Fire, water. like sheets blowing in the wind. And then
0: they'll all start walking up and going yeah. back. And then the lights will be going on and off and on and off and on and off. And then they'll get louder. They'll go like... Water! Think! Air! Like that. And they'll be going around in circles. What and does then, it mean? What does it mean? What and does it then, mean? Blackout! And then house music will come on and they start offering out the audience to the house music. And yeah. you're just going... Oh my God, yeah. I'm not going to be... And you know what anymore. song they
1: always finish the play with, do Coldplay, Fix You. Yeah. You know the <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stream.
0: They are down mine. I've just spent fifteen quid on this.
1: But I do love the fringe theory. Yeah,
0: yeah, we, go, we go a lot. Yeah. Um, here, here we are with the uh, yeah. with the sound bites.
7: You know, what you get at Fringe Report is reality. There are some other rewards where it's a little you know if you know what I mean. But it's real here. You get you know, everyone works bloody hard and not everybody's up there and likes. And, and quite frankly they fucking should be because because you know the, this is the real core of our industry here these are the people who aren't at the Almeida you know these are the people who needs a little bit more respect and a little bit more you know and and I just think we we fu- all fucking deserve it it's really special and it's very sad tonight and uh, but it's good, it, you know, I'm looking forward to the party and everything, but this, this is going to be in people's memories. I mean, Fringe Report, yeah. for me, has supported me in so many different
3: ways. You know, John's always been a legend. Thank you very much for coming. Welcome to the Fringe Report Awards 2012. As ever, there are 25 awards, all of which are equal, recognising the excellence that you, the artists, performers, writers, directors and creatives provide so abundantly. The evening is in two parts. In this part, we present the awards and I will introduce you in a moment to Lara Podelska, Emma Taylor, and Brown Atwood, who will be presenting the awards. After the awards are presented, there is a reception. You'll find at the reception there will be free red wine and white wine all evening. (laughs) And orange juice and uh, water for (laughs) non-drinkers. This is the last Fringe Report Awards. Uh, French Report will complete its ten-year mission to report on whatever is slightly off the mainstream in the arts and close down forever on its tenth anniversary, which is Thursday, the 12th of July, 2012. That is just before the Olympics. <laughs> Thank you. We'll announce each award and read out what it's about. <clears throat> um, if you're accepting an award, please then come up on stage and collect it. Um, Without a doubt, it's had a tangible impact.
6: I, uh, we're very fortunate at the Pleasance to be part of the sort of visible part of the fringe in Edinburgh and the visible part of the fringe in London. But what he has highlighted over 10 years is the amount of invisible work that there is in this country. And I, I think the impact he has made is phenomenal. Every time I come to this award, there is a different audience. And it is demonstrative of, of, of how wide. A, a view he has got I love the fact that every year theres a, there's a different award for a different person it's merely there to highlight what they're doing what it sort of the thing it really highlights is the fact that we have got to join all of this together we have got to find a mechanism and that means that all of this invisible work in whatever form whether it's film or theater or art or whatever it is, has to be joined in. Michael Billington said, you know, the other day in the newspaper, watch out West End, because actually the fringe is where all of the interesting stuff is happening. It is true. It's the most wonderfully eccentric individual who, who, who created this because of his adoration of young people, his adoration of the fringe, his adoration of new work, across a multitude of different art forms. And I think he recognises more than anybody the importance of a community and what that community is able to create. And he recognises that it's disjointed. He recognises this is bloody hard. And this is his worth to make it connect and make it work. And I, I, I'm deeply upset that he's stopping doing it because I think that what he has started is something utterly, utterly extraordinary. It needs carrying on and it needs someone with that extraordinary passion to be able to say, look, I don't care. I don't care what anyone else thinks. I'm simply going to go out there and highlight what these extraordinary, brilliant, you know, risk takers are doing. I think it's brilliant.
4: Anthony officer, thank you very much. Absolute pleasure. Uh, Becky Talbot, you've won. Oh, what
10: am I meant to say? Yeah, yeah, oh, oh, yeah, okay, uh, yeah, best presenter. best presenter.
4: Presenter.
10: Well, it's just amazing. John Park um, is keeping the arts alive, and I'm I'm actually really annoyed that he's stopping it all. Somebody has to save it. Like it's an institution now, and um, so many of us have been able to uh, further our careers because of John Park. You know. So I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do when it's over.
4: No, I think you're right. And and what do you think the impact on the fringe is going to be? Um?
10: I think it's actually going to be quite a big impact. I know we have Fringe Review, if I'm allowed to say that, but I, it's not its not the same as Fringe Report, you know. And um, I don't know, somebody's going to have to do something, basically, aren't they? Or maybe we can, maybe we'll all just have to start doing like an annual fund to pay John to come out of retirement, maybe.
4: Or maybe that's <laughs> what he's been after all along. Yeah. And just for those of us who don't know John, tell us a few things about John.
10: Some good things about John.
4: Uh, so, uh, some things about John. Like There's no, things, no need sorry, for him to be good. <laughs>
10: Um, some things about John. Um, he's a very, very lovely man with a very, very filthy sense of humour.
6: <laughs> um, I'm Steve Forster. Um, I won Best PR Theatre. Uh, everybody respects Fringe Report. Um, that, that, that's a big thing about it, is that um, I think we all know there are an ever-increasing number of websites sort yeah. of um, coming up. Um, lots of them very, very good. And... Um, but Fringe Report has, has, has been one of the most long-standing of them, and the one that I think has become the um, organ of, of record. Um, and I think every, everybody in Fringe Theatre around the world, I mean, not just in London or wherever... Um, Will be very sad.
2: What do you think is going to be the impact of no more print
6: report It's going to be. Uh, it's going to be actually pretty awful. But like, genuinely, I really yeah. do think it is. It was so simple. The layout, you know, just the white background. Just t- you, I mean, you you didn't look at any of the nonsense. You just yeah. looked. You just read the review. He's, he's kind of a bit like the Scarlet Pimpernel. <laughs> he just kind of sneaks in and just... All of a sudden, you'll feel a little little tap on the wrist and you turn around and he's there. And he knows everything about what you've been doing for the last, like, year. He'll be like, yes, you did this and then you did that. I know everything about you and now I'm going to disappear. And he like... Mmm, smoke. And he's gone and he's vanished. again. He where did he go? He is a very... Uh, I don't want to use the word secretive because that sounds kind of suspicious, but
11: no, he's, just, he's very elusive. Andy McQuaid and one won Best Theatre Director. I've only met John once. Really? A year ago. He shook my hand and said, you're a really good man. And I thought, okay. You're John Park. Yeah, I know a lot about you. John ripped me to shreds 15 years ago in a review. He then sent another reviewer to another show I was in And they crucified me as an actor. Um, I was just talking to John a minute ago about it, and he grabbed me and said, Do you know why I've been following your career for the last year? No. Because we rubbished two of your shows, and you then emailed me for your next show and said I would really like you to come and see my show.
4: (laughs) Uh, seriously. Yeah, seriously. no, he does, he does, he does. And he, he was really impressed by that. He was really yeah. impressed by the fact that you still went back after that rubbish. I didn't was. bitch at him, I didn't
11: whine, I didn't no, complain. No, he was, he was super I got impressed. the worst review of my life. He said, Andy McQuaid, who sounds like Roland Rack and performs in total isolation. But I was reading it and I went, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I do sound like Roland Rack in that play. And I do perform in total isolation.
2: We're here now with Emma Taylor, who is the artistic director of the Canal Theatre.
4: You were saying to us a while back that it was actually pretty much yourself who sort of kicked almost everything off. Uh, I mean, maybe uh, maybe you'd like to put us in on that one.
9: Absolutely, yes. It was uh, ten years ago, and I was directing and performing and producing in a series called uh, American Shorts, and we had two reviewers who were supposed to turn up. And at the last moment, they cancelled. And John, who had uh, become a, a recent news review writer, was in the pub and had come to support the show, said, would you like me to write an in-house review? And I said, well, that's very sweet of you, but where will we put it? And he said, well, I can write something and I will put it on the wall. And I said, thank you, and, and maybe I will put it online. Because 10 years ago, online was uh, fairly new. So um, he enjoyed the show and he wrote a a wonderful review and he then created a website called Fringe Report and so we were honoured to be the very first um, show that was reviewed by John Park. Fantastic.
4: And uh, and just tell us a bit about John from someone who knows him because it's a shame that not not as many people get to know John as they should just give him the rundown on John.
9: John is a a wonderful friend of mine and... um, He is quite enigmatic and, as I'm sure you will know, will always ask lots of questions about other people, but is really quite, I wouldn't say cagey, um, but is reserved in talking about himself. He has um, a wonderful charm and uh, a, a way of being with people. And what I'd really like to say about him is that um, he should be immensely proud of his achievements, and uh, that he should really acknowledge how much and how many people love and respect him. What do you
4: want to talk about? we've heard a lot from a lot of other people tonight, but what we haven't heard from is the man himself, which is John Park, and he's here now.
3: John, how's the evening been? Well, George, it's uh, <laughs> it's gone, and that's always a relief. You know, when things actually end, you know that an obvious disaster hasn't occurred. <laughs> any other any other events organiser who's listening to this will know exactly what... <laughs> and, John, a, a couple of
4: really personal tributes up there at the end. That must have been lovely.
3: Extraordinarily embarrassing. I I, I, I flush with embarrassment at the memory of them, but very nice, of course, yeah.
4: And, John, just, just give us your own personal feelings on this being the last Fringe report, you know?
3: What's sort of running for your head? Absolutely amazing feeling of relief um, <laughs> I think it, the whole nature of Fringe is transitory so it's absolutely right that things should come to an end So when things can come to an end other things can begin Any particular highlights of the evening for you? Yeah, it, it's actually really lovely to see the audience um, I mean, I think that, uh, again, anyone who's, who's been on stage in any capacity I'm sure, I don't act, but I can imagine it's the same for actors certainly anyone who organises events is when you can see and feel and hear people really enjoying themselves that's that's an incredibly good thing because it's just so lovely to see that
4: uh we were talking to emma taylor uh, earlier and she sort of told us uh, about the beginnings at the canal and the you writing the review and all those sort of things and um i just wonder if there's anything you feel you've learned over the last 10 years what would it be
3: well, I don't think there's any particular single thing. I think the nature of, uh, of fringe theatre, but even to take away that label of the kind of off-mainstream, although there's nothing wrong with the mainstream, experimental stuff, whether it's film, whether it's acting, whether it's theatre, is that fortunately there aren't any great lessons. It just happens, and you enjoy it. <laughs> John, it's been a
4: great night. Absolute pleasure uh, you having us, and um, congratulations on the one for ten
3: years. Thanks, George. That's really kind. Well,
0: that's. That's it. That's all we've got mm. time for. I think we've let go our wisdom. We've exhausted of every listener. Yeah, we need to lay down for at least yeah. another two you, weeks. What have you got from this? Um, loads and loads, mate. Too, too many things to really mm. go through. Um, obviously, your great mind on theatre yeah, is how yeah. it is. Helpful. It's I like being sitting next to Michael Billington. We've mm-hmm. enjoyed ourselves, haven't we? Very much
1: enjoyed myself, yeah. Keep your eyes peeled on the Wireless Theatre website, which is? Wireless Company. .co.uk and uh, you've got all the free downloads. That actually. Yeah, more than one hundred and fifty plays to download, really listen to for free, for free. Amazing! Is um, like a donation if you're feeling if you're rich?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if you, if you're listening, Dench, we <laughs> want your money. Give us your Judy. Yeah,
1: and Judy, are you listening.
0: Um, uh, before we go, yeah. Next month, March. Yeah, or it might be March. March. March, March when March. when this comes out, it's probably be March. Um, Hello, March. Gino Genelli Two by yeah. Stephen Hill. Do you know why it's really good?
1: Where well, it's about ice cream, isn't
0: it? No, it's not. Oh, who's it? Who's in it? Me. Who's in it, Ollie? You? are yeah, You in it? Yeah. And guess who directed uh, it? Uh, who directed it? Only Techie. Techie. I think you find the
4: producer. Producer, to me.
0: Oh, Techie directed. Techie. It. Oh, Techie. So, really, do listen to that. Very funny. Check it out. Please, Please do. do come back. There might even
1: be one or two more podcasts. Probably not. Probably not after yeah. this shambles. We're going to the pub. Hopefully, there'll be some theatre on above it. <laughs> Let's go. Hopefully, hopefully, fifteen pounds this time. <laughs> See you later. Are we actually really getting up? (laughs)